Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to the show, my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm going to a frog in my throat all of a sudden. Uh, JC is going to be ducking out on us a little bit early today. He's going to be teaching his class on, um, we, we call it at ChrisAnnHall.com, Liberty First University, the Liberty uh, Morality of Resistance in uh, here in Florida, Bradenton, right? Bradenton. Mm -hmm. At the Mixon Fruit Farm. Yep. Mixon, I love teaching there. It's really, really awesome. It's a great crowd there. Remember, you can go to chrisannhall.com and click on the calendar tab and find out where we're teaching, what we're teaching. If we're not in your area, everybody knows everybody, every all over the world now. You have social media friends. Share it so that everybody can come and join us. And we have so many of you out there who have been to our training. You can you can be our best ad team. Now, quite often we get questions that repeatedly come to us via email, social media, and we like to handle these questions because no matter how many times we teach them, they often come up and repetition is the key to education. So repetition brings revelation. Repetition. Yes. And so what I want to we want to talk to you about today is this issue of sanctuary cities. And what does that really mean? What is a sanctuary city? Is it uh, constitutional? Remember, our, our questions always have to go back to the source of power, the Constitution. So constitutionally speaking, can a city or a state confer the rights of citizenship on aliens outside the naturalization process? And that's what sanctuary cities are doing. Now, let's we're not going to get into the whole uh, idea or, or question of, um, you know, mobility and resident versus citizen and all this other complications that the libertarians love to pick at. We're not going to do that because here's the thing. When a city. Let me put it this way. If you can find a sanctuary city that is not conferring the benefits of citizenship on aliens, then we can have that discussion. But it's simply not happening. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. but Right, exactly, of course, because we don't even understand the terms of 
what citizenship. I, I, I mentioned a couple days ago or well, a couple well, now, shows ago that I, I had this most ridiculous Twitter conversation with this girl in law school who simply had no idea. She she claimed to be an originalist, JC, and she had studied out Federalist 54. And apparently that's the only document that she studied. And she extracted terms and applied meanings and took everything out of concept, context. In her argument was about the census. So why do aliens... Should aliens be counted in the census? How foreign nationals, as we call them, why should foreign nationals be counted in the census? And it was because uh, because foreign nationals get representation in Congress and foreign nationals get federal benefits. Well, neither of the, well, the, the first is error. The second is unconstitutional, even though it happens. But this is the problem that we have, this, this mass confusion between what is this, what are the benefits of citizenship and what are not. And why this is relevant to this discussion is because this is actually the discussion that our founders had which drove the need for the uniform rule of naturalization, which is contained in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 4. You see? Yeah, I, I, the question, to me, the question is broader, the confusion it's broader than this. I mean, this is an example of the question. So this, it always comes, honestly, just, just to simplify, because I, I think stuff gets too complicated. The way it comes, the format of the question that comes at us is always the issue of a city or a state choosing to enforce which laws they want to. And so it gets, it gets thrown under the nullification umbrella. Mm -hmm. And so the question that always comes it basically is, well, you know, you're saying nullification and then that's what they're doing and how can this be right? And so the confusion is mm -hmm. in that. And, mm -hmm. and I think that that question demands a simple answer. And I think the, that, the same answer to that question is the answer to this question uh, when you get to the specifics, the broad question. So, it's, so the simple answer, it's not about what cities or states or local governments want to do mm -hmm. and what laws they want to enforce don't want to enforce. That's not the issue. It's very simple. The Constitution enumerated or essentially listed the things that the federal government is allowed to do. Mm -hmm. If it's not on the list, they're not allowed to to do it, mm -hmm. okay? So then therefore a state does not have to, and in fact should not uh, participate, follow, or comply with these dictates. Then conversely, if it is a power granted to the federal government by the constitution, then it is legitimate and therefore to quote unquote nullify or mm -hmm. resist that mm -hmm. is, is not lawful. So right. that's why the sanctuary cities, you can get into citizenship and what this means, that means whatever. The simple fact is the uniform rules of naturalization and, you know, to enforce the borders, to put it simply, mm -hmm. is a power enumerated to the federal government. So therefore, when a state stands up and says, we're not going to follow this, then they're violating the contract they have with the states, that is the Constitution. And so the sanctuary city in regards to foreign nationals 
is unlawful, unconstitutional, because the states did delegate that power to the federal government. So if you as a state are saying, no, we're not going to follow this, you're basically saying we don't want to be part of the contract. We don't want to follow the Constitution. Therefore, you essentially remove yourself from the union uh, of, of this republic. Yeah, and, I think and that's 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 the question that is constantly coming at us, and so that applies to these marijuana laws. The specific question came from mm-hmm. uh, you know the folks we met when we did the gun training with Larry, the dad and the son, and he was sent us a message recently, and and the the particular topic uh, was not only included sanctuary cities, but then enforcing the federal uh, marijuana laws, et cetera, drug laws. And I again, the federal government is not enumerated authority in that. So it's, it's the right of the states Jefferson, to say we're not Jefferson gives this distinction. And I think maybe it's because you see this quote from Jefferson all the time on nullification. So the issue here is nullification. Well, the argument is nullification should not, the, the converse argument is that nullification should not be allowed because the state should not be allowed to choose which laws they want to enforce or not enforce. Which, and that they're not. the nullification itself is unlawful and creates a society of lawlessness because nobody knows what they're supposed to follow and what not to follow. The argument for nullification is, as JC said, it is not the states not following the laws. It's the state enforcing the Constitution right. because the Constitution specifically enumerates certain powers but does not enumerate others. And that's why the Tenth Amendment says the powers not delegated to the United States are reserved to the states and to the people respectively. Yeah. So if it's not delegated, it is reserved. And with marijuana laws, the power is not delegated, so it is reserved to the states. Right. And when when people teach about nullification, they teach using a lot. Most of the, most every person that teaches nullification will use this quote from Thomas Jefferson uh, from eighteen uh, from seventeen ninety ninety eight. It says, "quote that the several states who formed the Constitution." being sovereign and independent, have the unquestionable right to judge of its infractions. And and that's the understanding. First, the understanding at number one, the states created the Constitution, which created the contract to create the federal government. That's why they have the unquestionable right, because they're the creators not only of the Constitution, the contract, but also the federal government. But then it goes on to say that a nullification by those sovereignties, and here's the distinction that Jefferson makes, and I think people blow past it, Mm -hmm. of all unauthorized acts done under the color of that instrument is the rightful remedy. Jefferson is not teaching blanket authority for the states to nullify every single right. federal law. To decide what they want to follow, what they don't want right. to follow. That's Jefferson not what is simply is. is saying quite precisely that it is an unquestionable right of the states to determine when the federal government is acting unauthorized. So so nullification is ensuring that or, or attempting to ensure that everyone is following the Constitution. Yes. So nullification is essentially a state saying to the federal government, no, no, wait a minute, that power is not in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. You don't have you don't have the authority to do that. No, we're right. not following it. And so in sanctuary city, that term is being used not only for the foreign nationals. Okay, so sanctuary city for foreign nationals would be 
not following the Constitution. Therefore, it's not nullification. That's just simply lawlessness. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now people are using that term for sanctuary cities for Second Amendment rights. Mm -hmm. That is nullification. The, the right to keep and the bear right arms. The right to keep and bear arms. Yeah. So they're saying, no, no, we have that right, and you're not enumerated any authority to take that away. Mm -hmm. So that's proper nullification of mm -hmm. saying you cannot do that which you're not authorized to do. Sanctuary Cities is saying we're not going to allow you to do what you're authorized to do. That's a violation. That's not nullification. And that's personally why I don't like the name Sanctuary Cities for the right to keep and bear arms. And when we get back from the break, I want to go uh, talk about that a little bit more precisely. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K R I S. A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Now, JC slipped off to go teach his class at the Mixon Fruit Farm, and I just want to give a, 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 a warm hello and all my love to those of you who will be at the Mixon uh, Fruit Farm this evening. I'm sorry that I'm going to miss you. But uh, so many things going on here in the Hall household. JC's going to handle this one by himself. So, uh, again, we have this situation now where sanctuary cities for foreign nationals is the argument is that it's constitutional for the states to say no uh, to, uh, to, to refuse to enforce the uniform rule of naturalization. Well, here's the problem with that idea. The states have made the contract with each other. They've made a contractual agreement with each other that says, look, we agreed to these terms. When a power is delegated, we will treat it as the supreme law of the land. When the power is not delegated, then it is not the supreme law of the land. And uh, what I'd like to show you when we come back uh, from the next break is the, uh, the clause, Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution, what we usually know as the Supremacy Clause, to actually show you why what I'm saying is true, that things that are not delegated are therefore not the supreme law of the land. Now, I understand why people are calling these cities, these counties, sanctuary cities, sanctuary counties for the right to keep and bear arms. I think because they want to sort of play on that, the, the momentum of that word, they want to sort of throw it back in the face of those who are claiming sanctuary cities are the uniform rule, are, are, are proper nullification, excuse me. But this, I'm afraid, adds to the confusion of proper nullification. Remember, 
Thomas Jefferson said, the several states who formed the Constitution being sovereign and independent have the unquestionable right to judge of its infractions and that a nullification by those sovereignties of all unauthorized acts done under the color of that instrument is the rightful remedy. Well, we have to, we have to be sure that we fully understand that if something is authorized, we can't, we can't actually uh, legally, as a state, nullify that because of the cons, uh, because of the contractual agreement. We are bound by that contractual agreement, and if the states, and this is the argument, if the states can just decide what laws they follow and what they don't follow that are actually authorized, right? So the states, even though the laws are authorized by the Constitution, if the states can simply decide which laws to follow and how to, fo to apply them, then the Supremacy Clause itself becomes null and void. The Constitution as a contract becomes null and void. And so we have to understand that the contract binds the states or it does not. And in the same manner that it binds each state, it also frees each state when it comes to things and matters that are not delegated. This is very, very important because the state's rightful remedy to interpose when the federal government is attempting to exercise an authority that has not been delegated is the most powerful established. Let me put this. This is not theory. It is the most powerful established check and balance on the federal government. We lose that check and balance. We lose that check and balance. We lose the republic. Without the external check and balance of the states on the federal government, the only check and balance that then exists is the federal government on itself. And then we are now an oligarchy. Arrogant men tear up our constitution And from every direction we cry around You can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way Chris Ann Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. We are talking about sanctuary cities. Sanctuary cities for foreign nationals and sanctuary cities for the right to keep and bear arms. Sanctuary states for marijuana laws. On one hand, one is illegal. On the other hand, the other is not only authorized, but essential 
to maintaining the proper role of the federal government. Without this essential check and balance of interposition by the states, the federal government is completely, completely unlimited in its power. Why is that so? Because if the states do not have the authority to tell the federal government no, then there is no such thing as reserved power to the states, no such thing as delegated power to the federal government. All power is then with unlimited check and balance accessible and enforceable by the federal government. If the only check and balance is the federal government upon itself, then you must admit that there is no check and balance at all. Alexander Hamilton said that we, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that we've made a specific list enumeration of powers. He said the specific enumeration would be useless and absurd if a general power was intended. Who keeps the federal government from exercising general power instead of, uh, as opposed to restricting them to enumerated powers? Can the individual citizen do that? Can you as an individual stop the federal government from exercising an undelegated power? No, you cannot. That's why the state and local governments, James Madison said, are the greatest power on earth to be a check and balance. If the only check and balance on the federal government is the federal government itself, for example, many people say, well, um, the states can't check and balance the federal laws. That's the role of the judiciary. The Supreme Court's role is to limit and restrain the federal government to the Constitution. That is a truthful statement, but it is not an exclusive statement. If we apply it to not just simply be truthful, but to be exclusive, then what we say is that the federal government is the only limit upon itself, is only limited by its own authority. Because remember, the federal government is divided into three branches of government, legislative, executive, and, right, judiciary. The judiciary is the third branch of the federal government. The judiciary is part of the federal government. If part of the federal government can determine the power of the whole federal government, then what is the limit to federal power? Well, the only answer is itself. And when the federal government is the limit to its own power, then you have a serious problem. Now I want to show you something here. This is this is going to be a little tricky for me, a little technologically tricky, but I want to show you um, the supremacy clause. And if you're watching it on YouTube, I have it up here on the screen. I think I've just pulled it up here. If I've done this right, woohoo! Look at that. 
And the Supremacy Clause, which is Article 6, Clause 2 reads, This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States, going back to the Constitution, shall be the supreme law of the land. And the judges and every state shall be bound thereby. Anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary notwithstanding. This is all referring back again to the, to the power of the states and the delegated authority of the federal government. So remember, Ham, I'm sorry, Jefferson says that the states have the authority to check and balance the unauthorized acts of the federal government, okay? The unauthorized acts of the federal government. When an act by the federal government is unauthorized, it is no longer the supreme law of the land, right? Because the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance of the Constitution shall be the supreme law of the land. If the authority, if the law is not found with authority within the Constitution, like marijuana, like gun laws, like environmental protection, like parenting rights, so many things, then those laws are not the supreme law of the land because they're not made in pursuance thereof. And following then Article 6, Clause 2, the judges in every state shall not be bound thereby. They have no legal effect according to the supreme law of the land. Supremacy Clause does not make federal law supreme. The Supremacy Clause makes the Constitution supreme and everything else has to follow underneath it. Now look, if the states are refusing to enforce a power that has been delegated. Now let's look at this. This will we'll put aside this, this Jefferson quote here real quick and make it, I think I can make it really small so you can see this. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 4 says that Congress has the authority to establish a uniform rule of naturalization. Now remember, Jefferson says that they have the authority to nullify. Nullification is the rightful remedy of all unauthorized acts. Naturalization is an authorized act. Citizenship. Therefore, according to the Supremacy Clause, it is the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state are bound thereby. They have to be enforced, because if they're not being enforced, then, then the Constitution is not supreme. The states are not in a contract with each other. I hear this from the libertarians quite often. Hello, the states don't have to comply with the laws created by the federal government if they don't want to. No, 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 no. What in the world is the point of a contract? What in the world is the point of the Constitution if the states can pick and choose 
when the federal government is acting lawfully. There is no contract in that case. And if there is no contract, there is no constitution. So if the laws are made in pursuance to the constitution, the states have a fiduciary duty to impose and enforce and apply those laws. They have a fiduciary duty, a duty to one another. It's, it's not just, and I'm just trying to make this point to you, it's not just simply an, a duty. It's not just simply the law. They have an honorable duty in contractual agreement with each other, like business partners, to enforce these laws. And not to diminish that, they have ultimately, whether they want to or not, they have a legal authority to do so by the Supremacy Clause. So the states have a legal authority to establish the uniform rule of naturalization. Now, I think that it is important to understand why that is the way it is. Because you often come across this argument that, and, and this is not just reserved to liberals, so we have to understand this is not a partisan thing. This is a misunderstanding thing. Why, this is why I teach the Constitution the way I do. Why are these things there? Why was this power delegated to the federal government? When you understand why the power was delegated to the federal government, then you can understand why it's important that each state follow its fiduciary duty, its contractual duty to abide by those laws. James Madison explains to us in Federalist 42 in a discussion why the uniform rule of naturalization was, was delegated to the federal government. Now, in this discussion of Federalist 42, James Madison is speaking to the Anti-Federalists. Why are we now moving a power that was left with the states under the Articles of Confederation? Why are we moving that power to the federal government? Because remember, the Anti-Federalists wanted very little, very, very little power delegated to the federal government the majority of the power remaining in the states. And so they actually scrutinized every single power that was being delegated. And this one specifically because before in the Articles of Confederation, the states held the power to determine the, the criteria for naturalizing aliens. So the anti-federalists were like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The states had this power. Why are we now moving this to the federal government? And Madison explains, because each state had a different rule. Each state had a different standard. And it was creating an enormous amount of confusion. He says, the dissimilarity in the rules of naturalization has long been remarked as a fault in our system and as laying a foundation for intricate and delicate question. This is the question, why we have to do something about creating uniform rules. And when we come back, I will show you Madison's argument.
Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Hey, make sure you go online right now. Uh, well, you can pause this play if you can. If you're listening to it on your radio, then as soon as it's over, go to chrisannhall.com, click on the In Defense of Liberty banner, and find out how you get signed up. You do not want to miss this class. So I'm talking to you about sanctuary cities, and we're talking about the why. Why was the federal government delegated the authority to uniform rule of naturalization? I believe this is very, very important because I could sit here and show you, okay, it's the uniform rule of naturalization. It's there in the Constitution. Bada boom, bada bing, that's it. You know, no more discussion. But that's not how we communicate with each other because we have to understand the why. And you're never going to reach anybody if you go, blah, 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 blah. Say, look, let's, let's let us reason together. As opposed to marijuana laws, why is it okay for the states to nullify federal marijuana laws, but not okay for the states to nullify the uniform rule of naturalization? Well, because obviously, number one, marijuana was not a delegated authority. We didn't delegate any power to the federal government for plants or what we ingest, what we smoke, what we eat, what we drink, whatever. And that was specifically done to retain the power of the people through their states. Why? Why then did we delegate the authority of the federal government to, to the federal government for sanctuary cities? And Madison tells us in Federals 42, because this was a huge problem, we had states conferring, uh, creating the criteria for foreign nationals to become citizens. And each state had a different set of rules. And it was an embarrassing, it could have been very embarrassing if it actually, if, if the problems that were possible actually arose. He says, in one state residence for a short term confers all the rights of citizenship. In another, qualifications of greater importance are required. So one, you just have to live there for a few days. The next, you have to live there for this period of time and you have to go through all these steps and you have to do all these things. He says an alien therefore legally incapacitated for certain rights in the state where it's complicated may be previous residents only in the former. So he actually gets benefits in the one state that he doesn't get in the other. He says the laws of one state will be rendered paramount to the law of another. How do you determine which state is then enforced? The, the light standard of citizenship, when he travels to the other state, do we enforce that light standard of citizenship? Or do we simply um, impose the uh, sub other standard on everybody? You're allowing one state to dictate the rules for the entire union. Now, let us remember, the purpose of the union was to have a uniform voice in foreign affairs. If foreign nationals do not know what it takes to become a citizen uniformly, then we have no uniform voice. We owe, he says, we owe it to mere casualty uh, that the very serious embarrassment of the subject, we, we've been able to escape it. 
He says the new constitution has accordingly with great propriety made provision against the, this confusion and all other proceedings from the defect of the confederation and on this head by authorizing the general government to establish a uniform rule of naturalization throughout the United States. I believe the very existence of these sanctuary cities for foreign nationals proves Madison right. Because in some cities, foreign nationals are allowed to vote. Some places, they're allowed to even run for office. So if a foreign national moves from one of those cities to another city, sometimes within the same state, they're expecting to be following the same rules. When in reality, a move from city one to city two changes one from an, somebody who could actually run for office to somebody who is now illegally here. And that is an embarrassment because we can't even, the head doesn't even know what the tail is doing. And this is why the Uniform Rule of Naturalization was established. So that we wouldn't look like idiots. This is important and we need to understand this. So make sure that you take the time to go read Madison's argument in Federalist 42. Make sure you understand the whys of why they're there. Because if you can't articulate the why, then your argument will simply be lost in confusion, emotion, and irrational reasoning. God bless you. See you next time.